and Christmas were going to fall on the same day, you know, and we, we kind of looked around a little bit, and, and different churches are doing different things, uh, a lot of churches, and we're not judging them because every church has its own personality and its own community that they minister to, so you kind of do things differently to adapt or to fit in. Uh, but when we sat around that table in staff meeting, we thought, no, you know what? It doesn't make sense for us, for Calvary, to not worship on Christmas. You know, Lord, to, to bring you glory, we're not going to meet on this day because uh, we're going to be opening gifts and eating food, uh, which is a big part of Christmas, and that's really cool. But, um, but we decided to, to do this, and I'm so glad we did because I'm really, really uh, glad to be here to, to just to worship and to celebrate with you. Uh, Last night, we had a communion service, which is part of our tradition here, and I mentioned an article in yesterday's Wall Street Journal. Uh, This is a section they do every Saturday. I have all my days mixed up. I have no idea. Uh, Yesterday didn't feel like Saturday to me, but in, in this section, it did this big thing on Christmas, and it took up the front page and the whole second page. Uh, And it says this, Christmas, embattled from the beginning, for 2,000 years, believers and non-believers alike have fought over the meaning and traditions of a holiday that has been reinvented again and again. And as I looked at that and I saw that throughout history, there's sometimes Christians said, yeah, we should celebrate and make a really big deal out of this because this is a birth of our Savior. And then there are other times when Christians were the ones who said, no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't celebrate Christmas. And other people did. And it's just kind of gone back and forth. I even mentioned last night, this is kind of a curious, kind of a funny thing to me, that when the Puritans first came over to the U.S., they did not believe in celebrating Christmas. In fact, they said you shouldn't take off work and you worked all the way through, and if you were caught celebrating, then you were fined five shillings, which I have no idea how much that would be in today's currency, but I just think you were fined. You get that fined for celebrating Christmas. And as I mentioned this last night, that two of the things they kept their eyes out for to kind of figure out who's celebrating and who's not, like if you're just having taking a sick day and you stay home and really you're celebrating Christmas, but you're pretending not, they would see if you're feasting, if you ate a lot more than, than you typically did and better foods, and if you were bowling. That was a dead giveaway, the old Christmas bowling tradition. I don't know, we may go this afternoon over to Star Lanes or something, but uh, that's what they would do. So traditions have changed, and they come and go, and with um, people coming to our country, you know, immigrants from other countries, they bring their traditions, and so we blend those in, and we've got our own things. We were listening in the car, uh, I guess a couple of nights ago, to the the song, oh, now I'm not going to be able to... it's the most wonderful time of the year. And, and there was this line that, come, that comes in it that says, Scary ghost stories and tell of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. And all of a sudden, it just, it's like we all heard that for the first time, even though I've heard it all my whole life. Scary ghost stories. I thought, isn't that Halloween or some other kind of a thing, but not Christmas? And I got, I got curious about that, and so I looked it up. And during the Victorian age, it became this cool thing, this fun thing to do, to gather around a fire on Christmas Eve night or on Christmas night and tell ghost stories. I thought, we've never done that in our home. And then 
Santa Claus. <laughs> you know, just, we just never did that. But that's what they did. And even Charles Dickens, when he wrote A Christmas Carol, and you know it has the, the, the ghost of Christmas past and, you know, the future and all that. Uh, that's He was picking up on that theme, and he was, he was just going right along with what was uh, with the trend in that day. So it changes, you know, from, from times in history, uh, and it changes from where you're from. We have folks from all different parts of the country, and several of you from... Uh, of our regular tenders and members are from are from completely different countries where you've done things a little differently. I just got back from Latin America and they do some things the same. Some things they they have traditions and customs are a little different than ours, but it, it's it's all kind of fun and it's all this beautiful thing. There's one thing that it seems to be universal. There's one tradition or custom that we have that I've seen everywhere else and have heard about in other places, and that is the, the, the tradition of celebrating Christmas by giving gifts, giving and receiving gifts. Uh, we went over to see our grandchildren get their first gifts this morning, and then we'll do that after this service, and we'll do it tonight. That's a big part of we, when we say, have you had Christmas yet? Are you done Christmas? Or maybe when you talk to a child, one of the first things you ask them about the day is, what are you going to get for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? You know, and sometimes there's those last-minute orders, you know, those last-minute change of ideas, like, you know what, I think I'd like this. And you think, oh, Oh boy, you know, it's, it's a little late, but we'll see if we can pull that off. You know, believe it or not, the first Christmas gift and that, the whole idea of that came from God. God made that first Christmas list and he gave that first gift. And typically, that's the way it works, right? You think of everybody you want to give gifts for, and you try to figure out what's the best thing. And I have told you in the past, traditionally, I'm not really good at picking out gifts. So my family helps me and, you know, and, and do that. But this year, I've done it. I cannot wait this afternoon because you, you got to get, oh, oh, my God. And now she doesn't like what I got, and I didn't get an ab roller this year or anything like that. I'm, I'm so in. But um, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, some of us are better. A lot of you, how many of you are out yesterday, and you had just one more thing you had to do on Christmas Eve, and you bought, you bought one last gift or two or three, or all of your, your whole thing, you went out and did everything. Uh, my grandson and I went out shopping, and I, I took him to the Dollar Tree, and I said, you can get everything, you, you know, for the whole family that, you know, you, you want to do, you know, you, everything you want to buy. We finished 25 minutes later. We spent $27. Boom, he's done. So he picked himself out a prize and said, I get a prize. I said, yeah, you get a prize if you can do that, and uh, you continue that tradition the rest of your life, and you're golden. So we know all about that. The fact that we even have Christmas is because God had a Christmas list before the world began. You know that God even had a Christmas tree in mind, and that is the cross. That is the cross. Even on that first Christmas, he could see the shadow of that. Before you and I were ever born, God was ready to give a gift. So to get ready for Christmas, you make out your list, you put down all the people, 
and then you, you get that gift. God gave us a gift. And you know, there's a verse in the Bible that tells us about God's Christmas list, and it tells us who's on it, and it is without a doubt the most famous verse in all of the Bible. I think I knew this verse before I ever stepped foot inside a church or uh, had, had knew anything else about God or, or any kind of a relationship with him. This verse was already familiar, and most of you, many of you probably even have it memorized. It is uh, John 3.16, and it reads like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish. There are 25 words in this little verse, and it's kind of evenly divided because the middle word is the word son, S-O-N, which refers to Jesus. And the first half of that verse is, is all about God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then the last 12 words are all about us. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So what I just gave you is like a, a Twitter version. It's like a WhatsApp or Snapchat version of the message of Christmas and the message of the gospel. And this season reminds us of that. And if you want to know whether or not you're on God's Christmas list, I can answer that for you today on Christmas morning. It says, for God so loved the world. So if you're in the world, you made the list. Because God's list includes everybody. God never created anyone that he didn't love. And that means you, no matter how you feel about that. So if God, if Christmas tells you anything, it ought to tell you this. You matter to God. You're valuable to him and he cherishes you. And it doesn't matter what your background is, where you're from, what you've done. It doesn't matter how many times you've turned your back on God or walked away from him or disobeyed him or denied him or forsaken him. God still loves you. He loves you right now. In fact, you know, God can't even help himself but to love you. In 1 John four sixteen, it says, God is love. It doesn't say that God loves, it says God is love. And the reason you're alive and the reason your heart's beating and that uh, your, your, your lungs are, are breathing right now is because God loves you. And God made you in order to love you. And God's proven they love you. In 1 John 4, 9 and 10, it says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So God doesn't just say he loves us. He's shown us that he loves us by sending his son. And he loves you just because he's loved. That's not just what he does. It's who he is in his essence. So matter no matter where you've come from, what your background, what your religious experiences are up until this moment, you 
are on God's Christmas list. Now I want you to look at these two words. That it says, for God so loved the world. There's a big difference between the love that God has for us and the love that we have for God or even the love that we have for one another. And if you think about that, over and over we're commanded in the Bible to love. We have to be commanded to do that. We are commanded to love our neighbor. We're commanded to love our spouses. We're commanded to love each other. We are even commanded to love our enemies. We have to be told to love. So for the, for the human being, love is an act of the will so much more than it is an emotion. It's something we're told to participate in. But if you notice, you'll never see anywhere in all of Scripture a command for God to love anybody. As a matter of fact, you couldn't command God to love even if you wanted to. But you don't have to because... Uh, as we've already seen, God is, God is love. And God's love really has nothing to do with you. It's all about him. See, other people may love you for what you do for them or how you look to them, how you appeal to them or something about you, how you've influenced them. There's all these different reasons we might love, but God doesn't love you like that. He doesn't love you because of you. God loves you because of him. He loves you because he's love and you can't influence that love. You can't do something so good that God's gonna love you a little more today. I really like you better today than I did yesterday. You really, and, and on the other side of that, you can't do something so bad that God's going to say, yeah, I don't really don't love you as much as I used to or like I did yesterday. He just loves you. In Jeremiah 31.3, God said this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Psalm 89.2 says God's unfailing love will last forever. Just go on forever. God's love never wears out. Never wears out. It never ends. It never fails. God loves you on your good days. And God loves you on your bad days. He doesn't love you any more today than he did yesterday. And he's not going to love you any less today than he will tomorrow. Every child knows about Buzz Lightyear. When my kids were small, that was one of the big Christmas things. Was you know, it was all about Toy Story, and I can remember making a rare appearance in kid stuff one Sunday morning, and I went down and and somebody asked the the question. Uh, how much does God love us? How much does God love us? And one of the little kids, probably one of your children in this room, that now you're all grown up and sophisticated. But he just got up on one of those chairs and he said, to infinity and beyond. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny. You know. But you know what? It was also really rock solid theology. Really good doctrine. God loves us to infinity and beyond. And so every Christmas, I want you to be reminded that you're in God's constant Love that he just loves you. You can't go anywhere where God doesn't love you. You cannot act in a way that God will quit loving you. You cannot reach the limit of his love because his love is absolutely unlimited. You can't stop his love because his love is unstoppable, which is exactly what Christmas tells us every year. 
And Christmas reminds us, too, that God wants to give you this gift, the gift of eternal life. John 3.16, the second part of that, says that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Think about that. The moment you come to that little baby that was laid in the manger over 2,000 years ago and believe in your heart that he's the son of God who came that you might have life and you take him into your life, at that moment you receive it. You have eternal life. Now, when our kids were young, and we did this this morning with our grandkids, you know, they, they, they wake up and they get to the top of the steps, but we had to capture the moment. You know, and some of you uh, old-timers, you just came down and that was, you just had to remember it. Well, not our generation because um, way back then, there was a guy, Mike Pappas. I don't know if, if you're in this room somewhere today. I'll look around for you uh, over there. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he talked me into buying one of these, vid- these portable video cameras that was only about this big. Do you remember those? It, it was huge, and, and it would, you had a strap on it, you did this, and the camera was like you see on the evening news, like those big cameras, and we'd think, this is so cool, look, I can go anywhere and videotape, and I can make blurry VHS, you know, images of my children. So they would have to get to the top of the stairs, and we'd get this thing, and we'd watch them come down, and it was Christmas Day, it was the big day. And I try to position myself, and I did this this morning, except, well, it's, not, it's in my pocket. You know, I'd used, I used a phone. I used that, which was like 10 times better quality than, than that big thing I used to do because we want to capture that moment. Now, never once did the kids come running downstairs and look around, and I go, hey, we got every, everything. You know, Santa brought everything he wanted, and, uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to give it to you in 10 years. Ten years from now, you're going to get those gifts. Now, you know what? And some of them, maybe 20 years from now, you're going to get that gift. No. I mean, what would your children? I mean, no, you wouldn't like that. Would your kids, would you like that? If somebody's, you know, if your parents said, if you said, where are my gifts? And they go, yeah, well, you know, you're not, you're not going to get them today. But you know what? Some people think that about, about God's gift for us. Sometimes we're tempted to think, well, eternal life begins when I die. No, that's not the idea. On Christmas, in the day that you give your heart to Christ, you get eternal life. You get it right then. It begins inside you. And it just goes right through death and it keeps going. You don't have to wait 10 years or 20 years or 30 or 40 or 50 more years until you die to get eternal life. You can have it today. You can have it now. That's, that's what that means. It's an immediate gift. John 5.13 says this. 1 John 5.13 says, These things I've written to you that believe in the name of the, of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So you know what being on God's Christmas list means? It means that whenever you're willing, you can immediately receive God's eternal life. He moves in you and you're in him. Here's a statement. I'm going to read you these statements back to back. In John 5, 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
that he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment and has already passed out of death into life. And in John 6, 47, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. You have it. So hopefully you already know and you figured out that eternal life means life that is eternal. It's life that's endless. Eternal life doesn't begin when you die. It begins when you believe. And when you give yourself to Jesus... You get to open his gift of eternal life right there, right then. And that's the beauty of Christmas and receiving this gift. The thing I love about it is that every day, every day because you're on God's list, there's love waiting for you. We're a little more sentimental. We celebrate a little bigger and a little louder on Christmas Day. But really it's every day for us. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's every day. I got interested in a song by William um, Wordsworth Longfellow. Okay, make sure I say his his name right. Uh, He lived somewhat of a tragic life in some ways. He was America's most famous poet uh, in the mid-1800s. His brother died in the Civil War. His wife died of an illness. He remarried and um, had a beautiful relationship with this wife who's uh, around this time in November uh, after the Civil War. uh, Her dress caught on fire. She was sealing envelopes with wax, uh, putting locks of her children's hair uh, in these envelopes to, to keep away as a keepsake. And her dress caught on fire. And he tried to smother her body with his own body and with a rug. And he was unsuccessful. And she was burned very badly. He was burned very badly himself. And she uh, was cared for until the doctors could could get there. And um, about 10 o'clock the next morning, she asked for a cup of coffee and and then died. He was heartbroken, heartbroken over this event. He had lost so many people and so much in his life. And and his faith came into question and he just wasn't sure. God, can I believe in you and are you there? But then he heard the bells on Christmas Day. And something about that reminded him that Jesus had come and that he loved him and that he was real. And he wrote that song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And he remembered that God had given him this extraordinary and beautiful, precious gift of his own son, Jesus, so that whatever else we face, whatever happens in our life, we have Jesus and we have eternal life. And I hope that in the midst of all the fun today and all that you'll do this weekend, that you won't forget that. And if you're sad, and if you've had things happen, or you're in a place where you're missing someone, that you'll remember you've got Jesus and you've got eternal life. Would you stand with me?
Father, I want to thank you for today and I thank you for Christmas and your love for us and you've been so generous. I thank you that you included me, that you included us on your Christmas list and I thank you that you gave us this most precious, amazing and beautiful gift we could ever, ever hope to receive. You gave your only son and through him, you gave his eternal life. We worship you, we celebrate you, and we praise you today in his name.